Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action. Today, I am your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by my partner, Dan. I got a brand new shiny camera, Kruger. Now, don't get too excited. If you're watching, yeah, you can't see the nice camera right now. But if you're following Dan, I think it's DG Kruger at DG Kruger on Instagram and Facebook, Mm -hmm. then you can see his brand new fancy camera and he so looks spooky. great on it. So just giving you a little bit of a plug there. So go follow Dan. Appreciate now today, it. now today in under 10 minutes, we're going to be talking about three red flags that passive investors need to be on the lookout for. You need to be on the lookout because if not, these red flags are going to jump out of the bushes and smack you over the head and you're going to lose all your money. Right. Is that what's yes. going to happen? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Is that what red flags do? I thought they just sat there looking ominous and flapping in the wind yeah i guess they're kind of an inanimate threat but yeah. it's what they represent that's so scary okay <laughs> there we so, go <laughs> so here's here's uh number one uh red flag to be aware of when looking at a passive investment it is rosy assumptions mm-hmm. not like a rose bush but like i actually don't know rosy optimistic uh, optimistic yeah optimistic assumptions optimistic. So let's break is, that down. What what assumptions are we specifically trying to be cognizant of? Yeah, and, and we should probably say that you know, uh, advertising the the potential upside of a deal is perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, what really you should be looking for is the lack of transparency with what the potential downside could be. And we've seen this left out of a lot of operators' deal decks that they distribute, where they look at the best case scenario and it looks all fantastic and everything's great and everyone's making a ton of money, but you're not really sure exactly uh, how bad things can go before that deal starts to lose money. So there's a few big factors, a few variables that have a really major impact on the performance of a deal. And we've talked about them a lot, but we got to do it again. Um, Cap rates, that's a big one. Um, that one is probably ha- has one of the biggest pulls on a deal relative to how how minor you can adjust it, uh, and and really it's just because it impacts the the valuation of the property. Mm-hmm. So if you notice that the operators have their cap rate moving favorably, which uh, would be moving downward, might be counterintuitive, but cap rates going down actually means properties are going to be worth more. So if you see a cap rate dropping consistently and operators underwriting package or, or, or deal package, that's that's something you want to dig into a little bit and see what that looks like if it inverts, if the market gets softer, that cap rate goes up, or if it's just flat. Yeah. The other two things that we really want to keep an eye on, and cap rates is the big one because just a tiny little tweak of it has massive ramifications. But two other ones that you really want to be aware of is your rent growth, your organic rent growth assumptions, and your expense growth assumptions. And so 
organic rent growth is just the the appreciation that you can expect the market to demand over the next couple of years. Generally, we want to peg that as close to inflation as possible. And in, in, in our market, say here in the Twin Cities, over the last couple of years, we've been seeing rent growth of around seven, five to seven percent. So that's really strong, but it's not a good underwriting practice to assume it's going to continue being that strong. Better is to say, let's peg this to inflation at about two to three percent. So holding it pretty much steady at zero. And then we are going to force appreciation, which is an entirely different thing. But mm-hmm. in that way, in that world, then you're not going to be caught off guard should the market soften for some reason, rent growth doesn't grow how you think it will. In the same way with expense growth, always assume that expenses are going to grow and probably grow more than you think they are. They just have a way of doing that. Utilities never get cheaper. They're only ever mm-hmm. going up. And so you need to adequately budget for um, worst case scenario. And, and here's, here's my general rule of thumb. When it comes to predicting the future and guessing metrics, and then you have to plug these metrics in to get your return projections, always assume the worst when it comes to numbers that could help you and always assume the best when it's numbers that can hurt you. So best being like, they're going to go up. <laughs> It's very good practice. And, uh, you know, if more people do did that, there'd be less deals out there. But then you'd also notice that all the deals out there would perform really well. So mm-hmm. it's it's really important to, to look at that stuff. Like we said, a lot of operators will focus on the upside. But uh, if you don't see it very clearly laid out what the potential downside is and how much how much of a cushion there is in a deal, then you definitely want to ask about that. Yeah. And this gets to what you mentioned before about the stress testing mm-hmm. is like being able to see where does this deal, when does it start falling apart? Where, where does the cap rate have to be at? What do the rent growth assumptions have to be at? at which at what's the intersection where this thing falls apart? Because even if it's unlikely to ever find that intersection, it's helpful to know where it is. Yeah. And every deal has got a point it. where it starts to lose money. So it's not a bad thing. It's just how far is that from the current place and you know how 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 much do things really need to uh go go the opposite direction than what the operators think they're gonna go before people start to lose money. It's just you want to mm-hmm. see a big, nice big gap between uh where you lose money and and where things are projected to be. I like big fat margins of error. Now number two, um the second red flag, that's what we just did the first one. Don't go anywhere near that red flag. Be really careful. Second red flag is an operational red flag. It's specifically mm-hmm. the operators. What's their track record? A lack of track record is a significant red flag. Now, I'm not saying don't invest with people who have never done a real estate deal before in their life. There are some people who have maybe never invested in real estate who would be uniquely qualified to step into real estate and really crush it. Maybe they're coming from another entrepreneurial background or finance background. They really understand how to operate a business and they have that skill set and they can just apply it to real estate. Okay, that's fine. If your operator is coming from a different background and they've never done a deal before, or they have only done a few deals, you need to tread very carefully because experience and time in the game is a significant indicator of competency unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah and something else to know too is there's there's so many different um categories or there's so many different asset classes and different types of deals that could be done in real estate so even if somebody has been let's say an active multifamily syndicator for many years um lack of track record could, could be the case if they're all of a sudden switching to um industrial 
and they're doing their first industrial deal. They might have have they might have ten years of experience in real estate, but they've never done an industrial deal. So that that's something you want to watch out for as well. Like not only has this person been in the business for ten years or however long you want to see them in in the business for, but have they been doing this thing that they're going to be doing with your money in the past, or is this their first go around? Because there's a lot of things that people could be doing. There's a lot of new flavor of the months out there that people are focusing on. So you want to make sure that the operators have done whatever they're pitching to you in the past and mm-hmm. not just done real estate stuff in the past. Yeah. And you could even get more granular with this and go say the property management team. If your operator outsources that to a third party company, mm-hmm. you want to be sure that that property management company has experience executing the business model that is being presented. Like if the property management company focuses predominantly on single family homes, and now you're going to be handing them a 200 unit apartment complex with yeah. heavy value add. Well, maybe they're not the right fit for that. (laughs) Yeah. So track record. Track record. What's the third red flag that we need to be aware of? Ah, yes. I don't want to be bamboozled by any red flags. Show me them all. Inaccessible operators. Really what this means is, um, does the operator you're thinking about working with communicate in a way that aligns with your personality? Right. Uh, if you are trying to find deals to invest in and you're uh, contacting different operators and they can't give you the time of day to sit down and chat or, or at least hop on a Zoom call if they're not local and walk you through what it is they're doing and what they've done in the past, uh, that's a red flag because if they don't want to give you the time of day while they're um, wooing you, wooing you, trying to get you to invest in their deal, what's going to happen after they have your money and you know they're not trying to close you anymore, right? What happens then? I could only imagine. It would get. It would at least stay the same if you're lucky. If not, get a little bit worse. Listen, if I'm a cheapskate on our first date and I won't splurge and buy you dessert, <laughs> then I'm you're never, never going to not be a cheapskate. <laughs> you're never getting the dessert. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, in the very early days of your relationship, that's a great time to tell. Like, how invested is this operator in me? Do they mm-hmm. see me just as a dollar sign or a, just another number, or do mm-hmm. they see me as an individual? Do they understand my unique? goals and trying to find like the right fit. That's, that's super key because at the end of the day, nobody wants to be treated like a number. It's one of the great things about investing in these private placements is that you get to know the operators. You get to have that relationship in a way that you don't when you invest in the stock market. And so I would say if you can't get the time of day from your operator, go find another one. There's plenty of great ones that are going to make you feel like a a king and a queen. That's how you, that's how you deserve to be made to feel. Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. That's how, I, that's how I feel about it. I'm sorry. So we got uh, rosy Special. assumptions, um, lack, lack of track, track record. record, and inaccessible operators. Yep, those are your three red flags. That's yes. it. You, you, you stay on the lookout for those red flags. You're going to be fine. Next time, maybe we'll talk about some yellow flags. Mm, there's a lot of yellow flags too. And a lot of yellow flags. So that's, that's going to do it for us here this week at Multifamily Investing Made Simple. Guys, we appreciate you taking your time to join us and we'll see you next week. Hey, 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.